I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die Welcome back to The Left is Dead. It is me, your host, James Carey, here with Jake Anderson. And it is the Derek Devine Celebration Special. We are here celebrating the Killer Comp in prison. Jake Anderson, nice to be with you again, brother. Hey, man. Yeah, it's not much of a celebratory feel. Kind of no, it's still a fucking hell. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know... We can have it, a moment, it, though. It's definitely a, a weird moment because no one really knows where this is going to lead, and it's most likely going to get worse before it gets better, I think, at this point, because the idea is that, oh, things are going to get better now because we have video and because, you know, people are out on the street protesting. But the truth of the matter is, I think... Uh, the police as a whole, if, I, if we're going to view them as a kind of parasitic organism, mostly in, including the uh, police union, I, I feel like they're resentful of, of this. I feel like they're resentful of the way they're being portrayed. And I think they're almost uh, purposely escalating situations now. Uh, and so that's something we'll have to get into. But I... I, I yeah. I don't know that I, I just the, the issue for me is right. This is like I don't know. How many times have we been through this since fucking Black Lives Matter started where there was no conviction? Or even before, you know, obviously there was no conviction, nothing like that. And I you know, we have one in the fucking barrel. And unfortunately it, I just the amount of pressure it took to put yeah. fucking Derek Chavin behind bars is there's not like a movement to like sustain that for for the amount of cops who fucking kill people in this country there's no movement that can actually like sustain that pressure in the cities where it needs to be applied basically 365 days a year you know right and you're right this was an unprecedented situation in terms of we literally had a historic international movement that was the result of this case and this case also um, involved just plain as daylight video evidence that was just essentially yeah. undeniable for even the most hardcore police apologists. Um, it's it's very rarely like this. It's very rarely the environment where you actually feel like you're going to get justice. And the funny thing is, like in this one instance where the scales weren't actually tipped toward the uh, tipped toward the cops you still, now you have police apologists saying, oh, it wasn't a fair trial. It was tipped too far toward conviction. <laughs> so it's like, even in a case where this was just plain as day murder for anyone to see, they're still acting like this was a, a gift, a sacrifice almost. It's just his, crazy the lengths to which people will go to defend police brutality. His own lawyer's defense was basically like, well, he did kill him, but he didn't mean to. That was the whole fucking defense. Like, there was no, there was, to fucking be like, well, he can't be charged because it was an accident. 
is fucking bullshit. You yeah, know, and good. obviously some people will say like, oh, it's fentanyl or what the fuck ever, but multiple fucking medical examiners have confirmed that's not the case, you know? Yeah, and I just, I hate that argument so much. It's like, okay, even if he was on drugs, that doesn't mean he, he deserved to be dragged out of his car at gunpoint and, and choked to death, you know? It's just like, you no, know, it's if, just, it's ridiculous. If like, you're at the it, point where you can be like extrajudicially murdered for being on drugs, I have fucking, I'm never going back outside. Right, yeah, you know? no, it's terrifying. And yeah, I don't know. It's unfortunately to, to for this to lead to real lasting like wide scale widespread change it, it's it's not even the police department so much that have to be encountered which is hard enough it's it's the police fucking union and this is it, it's kind of an irony because especially on the left we kind of you know uh, not revere unions but we we look at them as a kind of bulwark against bulwark against uh, you know, corporate fascist power. But in this particular situation, it, it, this is, the police union isn't really like a normal union. It's, it's more like a like mafioso type, like internal, uh, like paramilitary group it's in a, the government. It acts as a lobbying group too. I mean, it, the police union weighs in on like what fucking laws, you know, are like proposed and things like that, because it, even like something as simple as medical marijuana, the police unions have to weigh in because this affects their fucking function, you know? Right. Like they're they're allowed as a union to weigh in on like statewide legislation and even nationwide legislation as a union, which is something no other like organization of workers gets to do, obviously. Right, exactly. It's not a normal labor union. It, it's It's... There, there's really nothing else like the police union in the country. Um, it, no, it's, it's built to protect them. That's all it's really for. And to protect their their position in society. You know, it's like I said, yeah. the big thing they do is they go against like laws or leaner sentencing or, you know, they'll uh, endorse like hard nosed prosecutors and shit like that because it's in their benefit to have a more draconian justice system. And that's right. the main interest that union looks out for and then protecting people like Derek Chauvin. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, for 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 there to even need be the need for such intense draconian policing, they they almost depend this almost harkens back to my first point. It, it, their very existence kind of depends on an adversarial relationship with the public. And 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 the adversarial relationship has been strengthened for years because of the drug war and specifically with the black community. Uh, and so the police union very much seems to have almost the same way that, that the, the United States government has a need to constantly be at war for self-preservation self instinct. The police union has a need to constantly have uh, violent policing and more militarized policing. I mean, at the end of the day, especially in like an inner city setting, like that's this is what they are. You know, they're an occupation force. They're meant to be an occupation force right. to keep like an oppressed class of people down because capitalism relies on having these oppressed groups, whether it be just regular working class or chosen out of color, you know, 
through these policies that go back a long time, whether you want to talk about like fucking Jim Crow or go through like redlining and all that, that's for another day, you know, but the, the way the police act in these situations has always been as like an occupation force to make sure that like a subdued population doesn't, you know, and we see this too, because like the main examples of like when the federal law enforcement steps in, it's to like murder somebody like Martin Luther King or like help murder Fred Hampton, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's definitely, I mean, obviously we're always at risk of, of being, of generalizing too much what is a very complex historical issue, but right. I don't think it's reaching too much just to point out that, you know, from the beginning, American law enforcement was initially set up to help uh, white property owners maintain their asset class, which for a period of time was slaves. And as it has evolved, it has continued to be a, a basically a kind of private police force for, you know, property holders, which has right. evolved in time to be, you know, corporations uh, and rich people. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the police is essentially a way of keeping society running in, in, the, in, a, in a parasitic way so that the rich can continue to hold on to their assets and pass them down over generations. And uh, we're finally kind of, I think, re reaching this point where, you know, the average person is really starting to question, like, what do we really need the, this level of policing for? Um, it doesn't seem like it's, it doesn't seem like it's reducing crime. Um, uh, cold no. case murders are not going up despite new technological advances. The solve rate on cases is, is actually going down in many cities. So what, what exactly is the point of this police force if, if new technology is not going to actually help the people, but is actually just going to be used for draconian surveillance and militarized uh, urban uh, policing? It, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense anymore. I don't think resources are poured into that, at the actual like police work of a police department, because that's not their function. Their function is, like you said, it's to protect property and it's social control, you know? So at the end of the day, the resources are just not, they're not being put into like homicide detectives or something like that. That's not where, you know, that's not what the money's for. That's not what the military vehicles are for. We know this. And a right. lot of it, you know, it goes towards making them basically more like a paramilitary than any type of like crime solving organization. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, we kind of jump to the, the bigger abstract part of this before even the going into the specifics of the George of, of the Chauvin trial, but that's because, you know, most people that would be interested in this, they probably probably heard a lot of the details of the trial, most people have been following it, we've been hearing about it for a year, and and so, I mean, we can go into some of the details, I mean, he was, he, you know, he was convicted on three counts, second degree murder, uh, third degree murder and manslaughter. And it, it actually didn't surprise me uh, that he got convicted on all three charges. It was a pretty bad defense. I think they would he would have been much better served by uh, getting on the stand and, and trying to show some kind of emotion. And the fact that he didn't, obviously defense lawyers generally steer toward not doing that because there's a lot of risk involved in that but in this particular case i felt like he had it was he had they had to go for broke for this one 
And the fact that he didn't do that to me shows that he really is as sociopathic as he seems, that he's just incapable of showing any remorse for this because he doesn't feel any remorse because he doesn't think he did anything wrong, which is, you know, scary. It's, it's scary. That he, you know, like I said, his defense was genuinely terrible. Again, like the excuses were like, well, he didn't mean to do it. Uh, the closing arguments, the defense was like, well, remember what reasonable doubt means. Even right. though the jury had watched a, a video of 10 minutes of this man <laughs> kneeling on someone's neck. He's like, well, remember what reasonable doubt is. And it's like, what are you talking about, you yeah. motherfucker? Like they there's watched clearly, a video. There's clearly <laughs> no reasonable doubt. The, the whole world watched that fucking yeah. video. Uh, like there's no reasonable doubt the only chance at getting him off maybe one of the charges would have been um a, a kind of psychological sleight of hand of like being look these police have tough jobs and and they're they're all traumatized and and getting him on the stand and and playing that bullshit card but he he's he just simply was not capable of showing any remorse and so he would have looked even worse on the stand so you and, think that would have been a better strategy than in uh calling the insane south african man as a witness wait who <laughs> is the, the south african man i'm just like Oh, the police training guy whose videos surfaced afterwards where oh, he's like, right. the that best guy, sex yeah. you'll ever have right. is after you yeah, murder yeah, someone. Solid. Yeah, so this, that yeah, of course, you know, yeah. old training video of a just insane police conference speaker saying after killings, cops have good sex and, uh, you know, murder really isn't that big of a deal. Basically, he's, he pretty much says that. Yeah, me. he's... Um, some like fucking Afrikaner psychopath who's fucking like a murderer and like happy to be a murderer. And that's like who they brought in to be like, look, he's not insane. He's not bloodthirsty. Embrace your inner murderer. And and it's good for your sex life. Kill people. It feels good. And it feels even better later. You know, it's from a guy who probably knows the people who guarded Nelson Mandela, you know, great. Yeah. It's so it's, I don't know. I honestly, I, I haven't had any joy over this whatsoever. I mean, it, it's, it, to me, it's just, it, I, I've honestly felt kind of nauseous all week. Um, I, just because, I don't know, it, this, to me, this just portends uh, that things are going to get worse before they get better because it's absolutely absurd to think that this is going to become a regular thing. And yeah, even as the trial was going on, it, it, police were were still shooting young black black people and it's it's not going to stop and the this kind of built-in um conservative white response um is that there's almost always a reason for police to use excessive force against black people you can see it in every single case even the even this case go into the go into the threads of youtube comments under some of these videos especially uh, like, uh, you know, conservative accounts, even like Geraldo uh, Rivera, go into his, the, the subtweets under his comments. It, it is mind boggling how much racism there still is in this country with regard to giving police the impunity to kill black people. Like it's, 
way worse than I think any of us could have expected like two decades ago before everything started getting kind of broadcast online. Uh, but there, there is an incredible amount of violent racism out there. And I it's think, scary. Well, I think it, you hit on a good point in the beginning. Or, like really hit on like, dude, you're right that this is like a very unique situation because this was like a media circus. Like to think that all media was basically focused on this trial in Minneapolis for like what a month there. Um, it, it's if you wanted to really like, if you were going to charge police officers and it was going to get the attention it deserved, that would literally be our entire media cycle all year. You know, like there's no, I, I felt the same thing. This is, this, this is a sacrifice, you know, like this is just it, Nancy yeah. Pelosi expressed as much. You yeah. Know, it, this was disgusting yeah. fucking way. This, this was a sacrifice. I mean, for, I mean, it was, they realized that it, they were going to have, they, they had to get a conviction in order to basically kind yeah. of put, put a, put a bandage on um, the, the black, the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement. And frankly, to stop Minnesota, Minneapolis from being burnt to the ground. I, and, a lot of places, you know. Portland, yeah. Yourself, oh, yeah. If, you if, probably if, would have. If, yeah. If he had been acquitted of 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 any of the charges, much much less all of them. Uh, I I don't. We we would have never seen anything like what would have gone down. Like it, mm -hmm. it would have been wides widespread rioting in 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 a lot of major cities, and I think most even cops who probably secretly don't even think Chauvin should be in prison. We're like, okay, we're gonna have to let this one go. We're gonna have to. Throw oh yeah. Us. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, other cops came in and did that. You yeah. know, other cops came in for the as state's witnesses to do that specifically to be like, no, fuck this, fuck that guy, take him. You know, because yeah, it was gonna make their job harder. I mean, right? It, it would have been literally a year. It would have made this summer look like yeah, that's uh, the big uh, standing thing. in line in an ice cream. Uh, ice cream truck like it would have it, it would have been it would have been unlike anything we've we've ever seen before imagine and, yeah imagine the chauvin verdict and then the police shooting in ohio at the same time yeah and then just imagine that rolling from spring into summer like you said with what we know is coming which is this isn't stopping because it, it it's not coming it's just continuing you know like the fucking cancer continues to fucking roll through the body that's never stopped. So we know that should anything have sparked over what happened this week, what you know, summer would have just been a fucking a continuous like roll of fucking events. I mean, what Minneapolis also, you know, what was that Brooklyn Center where they killed another fucking teenager too during the trial? Yeah, yeah, and I mean that case is a little different, um, right? But it's I, I understand that. I'm just saying, like this is you know, even if. But I was still Maybe. arguing with that one. Like, yeah, got, even with that one, she had a knife. But I, I don't. Oh, that see was what, the Ohio one. Oh, oh, I. Oh, oh, yeah, that one's even way worse. Uh, yeah. Uh, what? What's it? Uh, God, what's his name? I feel horrible. I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah you're fucking me. You're an asshole. Um, yeah, that one was. But his horrible. funeral is today. Yeah. I mean that that one yeah, was today. just as bad in my opinion, and it's yeah. just it's just nuts how quickly. 
um, they're resorting to to lethal force. It it doesn't it doesn't make any sense except that police are just I, best case scenario they're inher inherently afraid of black people. That that's that's like the that's the you know uh, most um, <laughs> that's the most I can say because I otherwise it's they feel like that is part of their job and because there's just no excuse like the number of killing of, of, of black people proportional to the population um, is, is so much higher and it's 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 shootings but it's also arrests um, indictments um, conviction and even sentencing it's all disproportionately weighed against against black people and they don't commit they're not more criminal than than in any other race so the only explanation left is that this is uh, like a kind of relic of of white nationalism that is just still encoded in our criminal justice system i i, I think it's more just this is you know this is the way fucking policing and the legal system was designed. It was right. It was meant to be a brutal thing. It was meant to be targeted at the poor and people of color. It was meant to do that. The laws were written to make it do that. Mm -hmm. And it, it's there's this combination of like the drug war leading up to where we are now and the over militarization of like um, major cities. But then there's also like this. Um, and I think this is the conservative side of it too, like this post 9-11 reverence for these cops where they've become, they're not just policemen anymore. They're basically troops, you know, yeah. which has changed. Like, I think that's changed not only the way we view them as like civilians, but cops themselves and in the response, you know, their reaction to Black Lives Matter with the Blue Lives Matter flags and Punisher skulls and all this bullshit but 9-11 and then like their reaction, like their defense reaction to Black Lives Matter, it, it's shown that like they're considered just as much a part of like the defense wing of this country as the military is to the right wing. You know, they've become, even firefighters for fuck's sakes, have become troops in this country essentially. And I think that's, you know, it's something to remember the same way a military, you know, our military that launched a fucking war in Iraq based on lies and, you know, uh, rampant Islamophobia in this country, the same way that attracts like the most vicious people who want to join a volunteer military, the police post nine 11 and during black lives matter. I think, I think as they continue to harden against outside criticism, it only attracts the worst candidates. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, you know, one of the more disturbing angles we can go into is is well yeah you know, who who wants to join now besides someone who really believes in it right yeah you know it's 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 strange it's like the military like post 2006 like yeah you would think if someone told you like hey i'm joining the military in like 2007 you'd be like why you know because everyone knew like iraq was bogus and shit like that yeah. So only like the most hardened like nationalists would sign up for that or someone who fucking needed the military, you know, but someone who like chose to do it out of like this patriotism would only be like the most convinced nationalist. 
or you know blatantly or closeted racist whatever and i think the same applies to the police departments at this point where it's like the the only people who still see the police as like a shining example are like the most brutal violent disgusting people in our society and that's who it's going to continue to attract in the future right and so yeah so and then it becomes a kind of recursive self-perpetuating thing where yeah it hardens more you know brutal sociopaths are the ones enforcing the law there's increased uh antagonism against them because they're sociopaths and so they react with more sociopathy and violence so it's just this cycle that that it's it's gotta be pretty hard to break at this point i'm not sure um i i i mean say what you want about what needs to happen i mean there's a lot of different ideas and i think aspects of all of them are right i mean we need to get rid of qualified immunity um i you know we need uh, you know a kind of bottom-up reform entirely of the police system i i don't see any way that's gonna happen and you know so it's i don't know it's no yeah there's i i don't there's, think there's yeah. any chance the police union is going to let them get rid of qualified immunity and uh, i think maybe if we had someone like bernie sanders with a filibuster proof majority maybe we could see some revolutionary uh, move, movement that would you know, probably take us to the brink of civil war, to be honest with you. As, but, with, yeah. but with Biden and a, and a non-filibuster-proof minority, there's there's absolutely no way Biden's taking on the police union. So, and I don't I don't think Biden's ever apologizing for the fucking war on drugs either. I you know anything that he's doing now that's a positive. I don't think. I mean, fuck the the staffers like low level fucking nobodies were fired for smoking weed. You know, yeah, I saw that. that I don't think the Biden administration is ever going to apologize for his role in the drug war um, and in like the crime bill or anything like that. Just the same way that Hillary didn't really apologize for any of that. You know, I don't think the Democratic Party itself, like the actual uh, core of the party elites are. um, I don't think they're willing. They're obviously not willing to talk about imperialism, although there is a little bit about Afghanistan, which we should do an episode on in the near future. But um, as far as like imperialism is kind of the uh, the, the sacrifice of that. Theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point, because, again, it's like it's something so unpopular and so stupid, so blatantly stupid, you know, that people are like, well, most of the people fighting in Afghanistan weren't even born when fucking 9-11 happened. Yeah. Our longest war in our history and right yeah you're absolutely right it's it's worthless and people are just like man fuck it throw it away you know and the same with Chauvin it was like man fuck them throw them away it's one fucking pig what do we give a fuck you know (laughs) to uphold this thing like what do we give a fuck and yeah I don't see like the real policies that make this like a police and imperial state I don't see the Democratic Party apologizing for those and one reason I see it, you know, I don't think they'll apologize because they were such huge players in it. But I also don't think they'll apologize because, again, their goal at the end of the day is if you're to the left, fuck you. And if you're in the center, as we call it, come on in, you know, come to the big tent Democrat Party where you can be a fucking like strict pro-life asshole 
in all cases for some reason. Oh, or yeah. Be a fucking socialist and go fuck yourself and vote for us. You yeah. know, the DNC, the, the, the mainstream Democrat liberal party in this country absolutely uh, sees uh, left wing, the left wing element as more of a threat than yeah. conservatism, possibly even uh, in many ways, uh, the MAGA movement was kind of like the, the perfect foil for them, the perfect enemy to, to solidify their brand. Um, I mean, I, I, there was, I think there's little doubt that the DNC would have rather had, would have taken another term of Trump over a Bernie administration. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, fuck, dude, the primaries... During the primaries, when Bernie won those first three fucking primaries, the whole news cycle was, who's going to stop him? And then after South Carolina, every fucking news cycle was, look at how great Joe Biden was. There was no discussion of who's going to stop Joe Biden. Who's going to fucking come up next against Joe Biden? That was never brought up. But when it was about Bernie Sanders, it was like, oh, someone has to stop him. You know, you had Chris Matthews crying about fucking (laughs) guillotines in Central Park or what the it was just so ridiculous that, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Trump, because Bernie shows that uh, it, it's almost like Rand Paul with some of the like libertarian things. He, you know, he, he proposed ending qualified immunity. And I think you see that when it comes to like conservatives who call themselves libertarian, like the Tea Party types, or Democrats who call themselves progressive, like even Kamala's done in the past. When it comes to an actual outsider who proposes a change to something, their only response is just like, no, we're never doing that. And we would rather go ahead and reach across the aisle to like mainstream Republicans to do something else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's, we're not going to see any, you know, and that was kind of the problem, I, I or not problem, but I, I think one of the limits of, of Bernie Sanders that I still think a lot of his followers still refused to see or acknowledge was that, you know, Bernie Sanders was calling for a political revolution. He was not calling for a actual cultural social uh, revolution. Like he wasn't talking about, you know, actually seizing, you know, property or, 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 or anything substantive no. like that. He, he was talking about a political revolution and, and to a certain extent, it's hard to even understand what he was talking about. Well, I, mean, I think I, I, in my opinion, it's this, right? Bernie's uh, and the greater like socialist left in America, the idea of like electoralism was, and I think there's still some, some of it coming through during the Biden administration, but it was, okay, Bernie can't do it alone there's going to have to be activism from below, you know? And I think a political revolution meant something similar to like, say 2008, the grassroots mobilization for Obama. Yeah. But once Bernie took office, instead of turning that machine off, it continues to go. You know what I mean? The organization continues. You don't do what Obama did where you have all these grassroots organizers working for you and online organizers. And then when you win, you just tell them like, oh, we don't need you anymore, right? But but one of the reason the the uh, one of the reasons the Obama revo- uh, revolution was worked so well is because of how empty 
and the platitude rich it was there was you could no make it anything you wanted yeah exactly you could there was no right. real like roadmap for actual real change there when you start getting into actually deconstructing imperialism you know taking on police unions uh taxing corporations though that that's where you see uh, uh i mean just it's 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 suddenly not as fun anymore for people. I mean just more compared to like the actual organization around Obama because you haven't seen anyone like canvas or call or like you know do volunteer work for any democratic candidate on the scale of like Obama and then Bernie since Obama you know you never saw that you didn't see that for Hillary who barely had campaign offices anywhere and I mean, Biden, you know, you can say it was limited by COVID or whatever, but I don't think there was that strong of a ground game, as you'd call it, plan to begin with. You know, I, th oh. I think Obama really did the Democratic Party a disservice in the long run by telling like that organizational wing who ended a lot of them ended up becoming Bernie supporters, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think telling that wing to just basically shut down after 2008 was a huge mistake for the Democratic Party. But at the same time, they probably didn't want a lot of people in that Obama coalition. They didn't genuinely want us around. You know, there was, if there was socialists in there or budding socialists, they didn't want them sticking around as like voices in the Democratic Party. They just wanted them to kind of be these neoliberal subjects and Obama would handle the rest. Yeah, there, there I, was no real appetite to, to yeah, take on I, the corporatocracy. And... I just don't think Bernie would have turned that machine off in the same way. Yeah, no, I agree with that. No, I mean, it, it's it, it definitely there was a, a difference. Uh, I mean, for sure. And I'm a, you know, was and still am a, a Bernie supporter. But I guess when it comes to, you know, police reform, I'm not even sure that that, you know, a Bernie would would I'm, I'm not sure there's so many battles uh, that, that he would want to take on. I'm not even sure police taking on police reform. I'm not even sure he would have gotten to it, and and that's scary. That I mean, it's such a desperately needed, you know. I, I suppose it depends on what happened. I mean, we could be at a day like today where he could have taken it on. Yeah, you know, I think they're it. It's the same as like you know Biden with gun control. Like, dude, if you want to take these things on, don't worry, there will be an event to do it. I think it. it at best, you could have at least hoped that it would have come up, you know, because Biden has said since the summer, like, dude, don't worry, there's not going to be defunding the police or changing laws drastically, you know, we're going to fire people who smoked weed. Um, I think that, that, again, like you said, like we've been saying, Chauvin was a sacrifice to kind of uphold the system. I don't think Bernie would have phrased things the same way as like Nancy Pelosi, who said, you know, George Floyd, you sacrificed yourself by like being murdered on your way home for justice to just try and wrap this conversation up. I don't think the conversation would just be wrapped up the way the Democrats are trying to do at this point. Yeah, but even even they have to know that it, it's short sighted because, it, it, you know, we know damn well, it's probably not even going to be a couple of weeks before we get uh, another shooting like this. Well, and probably doing it right now. It's it's you know and 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 you know the the ones that really 
become big are the ones where you have very clear video evidence. I mean, there's certain cases that rise up yeah. as, as, as cultural milestones. And we, you know, we might not see another George Floyd level one for, for a little while, but it's going to happen again for sure. And it's like, what, you know, what's going to happen next time? I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't see any way around this kind of leaning toward, you know, kind of asymmetrical war across the board. You have yeah. extreme right-wing factions that that are just waiting for a chance to take to the streets. And eventually, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, this rhetoric that they're somehow violent or a terrorist is just absolutely absurd, obviously. But at a certain point, uh, there probably will be Black Lives Matter groups that are gonna wanna get more aggressive because at, over the years, as things just continue to not change, um, it's hard not to see that extreme frustration, which is already there, uh, uh, eventually it's gonna just keep getting worse and worse. Well, and, I think you've seen that though. I think you've yeah. seen that over the summer, you saw an evolution of these protests from groups asking for like systemic changes you know shit like ending qualified immunity right but we're straight up demanding that Derek Chauvin be arrested you know I think what where left is there to go at this point I mean like what what more can they do I mean there was literally like in Portland here there's literally been people you know basically staging a a kind of cold war uh uh occupation of of federal buildings here for a year and which is something that would have been considered unthinkable a few years ago or five years ago what left what left is there to happen at this point let's say there's another george floyd type case tomorrow and it you know what more is there to do besides violent protesting yeah that i don't know I don't know, but I would say that I think people's demands have evolved either way. And I think I can't tell you where they're going to go, but I can tell you, I think they're going to continue to evolve. I think the militancy will continue to grow in some degree. I don't know how or to what extent, but I think the anger and rejection of these systemic promises will grow. Eventually there will be a cop who does something egregious on camera with say a gun. It's not as obvious as kneeling on someone's neck. You know, that case, um, like we saw a lot of cases, like uh, what the one who got shot in the back running away, you know, those cases, these cops will walk away. And I think when those cops walk away, people will even begin to reject the idea of, oh, what if we hold them accountable by charging them with murder? Because as big of a step this is for people who are just kind of like waking up to this and who join these protests over the summer as like a new thing, you know, they had been kind of politically activated under Trump or whatever. I think as they continue to see how like dystopian this fucking shithole is and they see that, oh yeah, fucking the Chauvin trial was like a rare occurrence. You know what I mean? As it was a rare occurrence that a cop would be arrested two years ago it's a rare occurrence that a cop is charged and convicted. Right. And, and so yeah, I, think, and, I just think as things deteriorate within the system as it fails to respond to people's wants and needs, people will become more disenfranchised with it. I don't know how that evolves though. 
Well, I, I mean, to answer my own question, the way it's going to have to evolve is a greater organization and much more sophisticated political movements. I mean, that's short of just outright asymmetrical warfare. That, that's really the only option that's left is a, a level of sophisticated organization that um, basically combines every social movement from the past, including Black Panthers, the Rainbow Coalition, not, and, and then newer organizations. And we're gonna have to see a, a massive intersectional movement. Um, yeah. And, and I don't think, I think we can't imagine it yet because I don't think we've, we're, we're, we've ever seen anything like what is gonna be necessary to take this to the next level. And I think we're in the process of seeing these, these different elements start well, to merge together. Here's what I think. I think we have seen things uh similar to when like there was militancy back in the 60s and 70s i think we saw those things happen with like the start of black lives matter and things like that but i think in the future as people become more disenfranchised with like the court system and police accountability by the state or whatever i think there will be less of a tendency for these hopefully for these organizations to be absorbed by like liberal ngo culture like the way that there's a Black Lives Matter 501c3, you know, like uh, one of the large controversies recently was that woman who's in charge of a Black Lives Matter chapter, like moving into a mansion. You know, I think that as people become more disenfranchised with like their outlets within the system, hopefully we'll see less of a sort of like corporatization and this sort of like high society like charitable 501c3 like ngo type of culture around organizational movements you know what i mean hopefully capitalism will not commodify the movements that are rising out of right now is basically it because things are already, already trying to I think. yeah absolutely i mean the fucking fact that you know nancy pelosi and like keith ellison and shit like this are praising the george floyd verdict is them trying to commodify this movement it's them trying to co-op this movement this what started they're trying to co-op everything that happened over the summer that led to this right now and they've already done so with, uh, I, I say Black Lives Matter, like the 501c3, but also, you know, look at like Women's March Global or what the fuck ever. Like they will, uh, capitalism itself, it's not they, anyone, it's capitalism itself. It will consume things and commodify them and sell them back to you. The issue is, is if people see that and see that, oh, these liberal organizations that try to consume these grassroots movements and try and divert their energy back into the Democratic Party and back into uh, procedural arguments. I think as more people see the next Derek Chauvin get off, sec uh, you know, scot free, and I, these murders continue, I hope that more people will, will come to reject this sort of liberal capitalist co optation of movements. It's the same way you see, like, MasterCard sponsoring pride parades, you know, I hope is like these issues become more clear and the fact that there is no systemic outlet to really let the pressure off on these issues. I, I hope it becomes more clear that like, oh, these large NGOs and like these things that like the corporations donate to and things like that. These are just like 
these are meant to be band-aids to cover over the larger issue and you can no longer play with them you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah it's a good point it's just you can't i'm glad so many people are pissed at nancy pelosi because you can't let them co-opt this because that is what the, that's absolutely what the Democratic Party will try to do. That's what capitalism will try to do. That's what they do every time. And it, it just can't, you know, the fact that like the fact that, that you can buy a Black Lives Matter mask at like a Walmart or something like that's not something's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that that's definitely a peripheral issue. The co-op. Uh, no, I, I, I understand that. And I, I, I just use that as like a very specific example of what I'm talking about. It's like these things will be sold back to you as like cultural signifiers if you're not careful. Right. But yeah. Yeah. It, sorry. It's going to be, you know, it's a, it's going to be an interesting time here. And uh, I don't know, hopefully, hopefully we'll start to see some some real change here because uh boy it's yeah there'll be more to watch yeah we'll have to get a guest on about it and we will be back with the fucking guests soon so (laughs) i would say next week yeah we'll get something together here but yeah i don't know there's not too much to say about this trial that we haven't said like you said everybody listens to this fucking watched it happen they've watched it happen since the fucking murder happened basically and yeah and i i wasn't expecting i was expecting three three guilties uh, right. i think i think that the next thing to watch for is the sentencing phase which will be in june it's still fucking, they gave him eight weeks i think that um you know I, I think the minimum i mean he's gonna serve decade or decades probably um i think it could range anywhere from like 12 years to 75 years based on whether the sentences are run concurrently or sequentially. And, you know, I mean, the judge has a lot of latitude here, but I mean, he's going to be in prison for a while, but the question is how long? And I think that's a big, big issue because, you know, with, with parole and concurrent sentences, I, I, I haven't seen a full breakdown of this yet, but I think it's conceivable that he could only get 12 years. Oh, I mean, I'm probably it's a third degree murder is like the highest charge, right? No, I mean, second degree murder. Oh, is it second degree? Okay. But I mean, either way, I don't think I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I can't tell you because I don't know how fucking I can tell you a lot of intricacies of Michigan sentencing system. Yeah, I cannot tell you how Minnesota does their math. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think it's ridiculous that he is fucking eight weeks before sentencing. Because I would get like two at best. But hey, whatever. I I do want to shout out fucking (laughs) Bill Barr for rejecting his fucking plea deal. So he could try to hide in the federal prison by pleading to a third degree murder. And he fucking, I'll say this, it's funny as fuck that the Trump administration was like, no, we're not touching this during an election. Yeah. And just kicked it back to fucking Keith Ellison, like a high roller in the fucking DNC. We're like, no, have it. We're not touching it. We're not giving him a plea deal. We're not putting him in like federal custody to keep his ass safe. Like Minnesota can fucking have him. So 
Shout out to fucking like one decision that Bill Barr made because he was too afraid to touch it. Good on him. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad that he's sentenced. I'm glad that he's gone. But yeah, it's this isn't fucking over by a long shot. Yeah. For sure. I yeah. don't know. That's probably where we end it for right now, I guess. So Yeah, I don't I don't I don't There's I, not too much to say. No, there's not too much to say. We summed it up. This is bullshit. He clearly <laughs> fucking murdered George Floyd. He's a fucking sacrifice and this will continue until something fucking snaps within like the greater fucking populace. So and all right, and our, there's your verdict from this court, assholes. Suck it. Project next week. Gotta get some gas. Yes, yes. Coming up. We will be here with the guest. Who you got? Uh I don't know. Don't uh, reveal it. Don't spoil it. We have yeah. a bunch. There's a ton Chauvin. lined up. I got Chauvin on. <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, Derek Chavine. S-H-A-U-V-E-I-N. And he's a rabbi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> it's fucking, you're a wonderful audience, dick. <laughs> We're going to let it go. This is enough. This is going nowhere now. So, again, we'll be back. Follow us everywhere. Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, um, fucking again, PayPal me, you fucks. But follow us. This is uh, Jim Carrey once again with fucking Jake to the left instead. Jake Anderson, thank you, buddy. We'll be back. Bye, buddy. Hey, Are you ready to start?